Beast Watch News, watching the rising beast of Revelation. This week, a short analysis of President Trump's newly leaked alleged peace plan. We'll also take a look at what one Oxford professor had to say about the aliens. But first, an in-depth look at a foundational doctrine of Judaism affecting Americans and the rest of the world. Disclaimer. Discussing Judaism's false doctrines is not intended to be an indictment of the Jewish people any more than discussing Christianity's false doctrines is an indictment of Christians. Yahweh loves all of his people equally, and so do I. Still in the news this week, negative speech versus free speech. Does stopping negative speech include curtailing free speech? It sounds like such a good idea to avoid negative speech, doesn't it? Negativity is such a downer and so harmful, isn't it? Well, that's what we've been taught, but the answer to the question is, it all depends. The United States is caught in one of Judaism's traps. How did the U.S. get caught in this trap? What is the mechanism that has American Christians feeding out of the hands of the rabbis? Which Jewish law is now being imposed on American free speech? Lashan Hara How is Lashan Hara being used against Americans? By using this false doctrine as the basis for the existence of laws against anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism, what is Lashon Hara? We've all heard this term, especially if we're in Hebrew roots. Judaism defines it as negative speech that is true. Let me repeat that negative speech that is true. In other words, speaking about a negative situation, even though it is true. Think about it and ask yourself this question. Is it possible that there is so much evil in the world today because this rabbinic law has spread like leaven into the whole lump causing people to be unwilling to speak out against sin for centuries because speaking out against sin would be considered negative speech? According to Wikipedia, the Hebrew term Lashan Hara, evil tongue, is the halakhic term, a rabbinic term from the Talmud for derogatory negative speech about another person. Lashan Hara differs from defamation, slander, in that its focus is on the use of true speech for a wrongful purpose rather than falsehood and harm arising from that. Speech is considered to be Lashan Hara if it says something negative about a person and is not seriously intended to correct or improve a negative situation, but is true nonetheless. Lashan Hara violates the prohibition of Lotelik Rakil Beameka, which means, do not go out as a tale-bearer among thy people 
according to Leviticus 19.16. The term Lashon Hara is not mentioned in the Tanakh, but keep thy tongue from evil occurs in Psalms 34.14. The Torah contains a general injunction against rekelut or gossip from the word rakil, Thou shalt not go up and down as a tale-bearer among thy people, neither shall you stand idly by the blood of thy neighbor, I am the Lord. Leviticus 19.16 In addition, the words, Ye shall not wrong one another, Leviticus 25.17, according to tradition, refer to wronging a person with one's speech. The rabbinic law of Lashan Hara is a good thought, but it is also a wonderful example of how religion twists what Yahweh actually said. In the end of days, it is becoming the trap into which anti-Semites and anti-Zionists will be caught and killed for speaking out. Let's find out what Yahweh's definitions of evil speech are. There are three definitions we will look at. Gossip, slander, and abusive speech. The quick definition of gossip is that it is malicious but possibly true speech. It is speech that no one has proven true using the Torah's instructions which is against the Torah. Slander is simply a malicious lie, and abusive language is that which is vented toward another for the purpose of intimidation. First, gossip. Leviticus 19.16, according to the KJV, Thou shalt not go up and down as a tale-bearer among thy people, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. In the ESV, the English Standard Version, you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Two Bible versions with two different but very important words. The ESV uses the word slander interchangeably with tail-bearing or gossip. But gossip and slander are two different things. The fact that these Bible versions use these words interchangeably shows how separated Christianity is from what Yahweh actually said. The word for tale-bearer, a.k.a. gossip, in Leviticus 19.16 is rakil. It is Strong's 7400, and it means a scandal-mongerer. A gossip spreads scandal about others, and gossip can be true. The problem isn't that someone is speaking in negative terms, even though it is true. There will always be situations we must deal with that are negative, and therefore require the use of negative terms and negative speech. Even the Torah has negative speech, because it contains negative commandments. 
The problem is that the gossiper is speaking about a situation with others at all. We'll take a closer look at this in a minute because not all negative speech is considered gossip or scandalous by Yahweh, nor is it always a sin to talk about people and situations. Before we get to that, though, let's look at the word slander. The word slander is found in the account of the ten spies who gave the evil report of Yahweh's gift to his people, the land. Numbers 14.36 says, And the men which Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land. That word slander is debah. It means a, a defaming or evil report. The ten spies came with a truthful report until they said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Numbers 13.31 Telling a lie against Yahweh, His land, His people, etc. is His definition of slander. What is the other scripture that feeds Judaism's false doctrine of Lashon Hara, evil speech? Let's go to Leviticus 25:17. You shall not therefore oppress one another, but shall fear the Lord thy God, for I am the Lord your God. The word there for oppress is yana. Yana is a word that means to rage or be violent by implication to suppress, to maltreat, or we might say mistreat, to destroy or oppress, to do violence. This is what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 5.11 when he told us to not keep company with a railer. A railer is someone who uses abusive speaking, sometimes but not always yelling and cursing to intimidate others. Sometimes intimidators simply use quietly snide remarks with a body or facial language designed to send a message. We must know the difference between the different kinds of speech so we will understand the difference between the rabbinic halakhic term and what Yahweh meant when he said it. We will then know why Lashan Hara is an end times trap and why this false doctrine among our people is causing such harm. Lashan Hara has slipped into Christian doctrine as easily as the dumbed down laws of Torah that are Judaism's Noahide laws which the rabbis intend to impose on us. Lashon Hara is the reason why so much sin has crept into the church and why sin still plagues the Hebrew Roots movement. Under Lashon Hara, a person is not allowed to say anything negative about a person or situation even if it is the truth and even after it has been fully resolved and is no longer gossip. But this is not what Yahweh said.
In addition, he gave us ways to deal with people and situations, and he told us how we can have the right to speak about people and situations too. The Shan Hara is the reason people have learned to keep their mouths shut in the face of evil for the last 3,000 years, starting with trying to shut the mouths of the prophets. The Jews had enough of the prophets always spouting their negativity, calling the Jews to repentance, which they viewed as negative speech, and still view it that way today. And they wanted to get rid of this bane on their society, so they invented the law of Lashan Hara to make it illegal in Judaism to speak of sins being committed in the community. To this end, the Jews killed all the prophets. In a prayer prayed by Nehemiah or Nehemiah, in which he recounted the history of the Israelites and the mercy Yahweh had shown them, he said in Nehemiah 9.26, Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you and cast your law behind their back. They made another law and killed your prophets who had warned them in order to turn them back to you and they committed great blasphemies. Now, Nehemiah or Nehemiah was not just talking about Jews in this chapter. He was talking about all the Israelites. However, after the house of Israel was thrown out of the covenant, they no longer killed the prophets, for they had no prophets. The prophets continued being killed by the Jews, whose halakha explained that it is unlawful to disobey the Talmud's injunction about speaking a negative truth. Yeshua said in Matthew 23, verses 29 to 31, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. And in Luke 13:34, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. They, the Jews, killed the prophets. Then they killed Yeshua, thinking he was lying about being God in the flesh. Yes, he said he was God in the flesh when he called himself the Son of God, and when he said he and the Father are one, and in many other ways as well. Acts 7.52 said, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. The mere announcement of a coming righteous Messiah was all it took to get a prophet killed by the Jews. The problem with Yeshua 
was that he is not just any prophet and when they killed him he didn't stay dead the rabbinic kalakic law of Lashan Hara is false doctrine leaven that we are supposed to get out of our lives how are problems of sins crimes committed by others against the Torah and interpersonal difficulties supposed to be handled Yeshua gave us the instructions which are also found in the Torah Matthew 18 15-17 if your brother sins against you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone if he listens to you you have gained your brother if he does not listen take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses if he refuses to listen to them tell it to the church and if he refuses to listen even to the church let him be to you as a Gentile and tax collector this instruction is found in the Torah right after the verse the rabbis use to tell us we must not say anything negative even if it is true what does the Torah say that the rabbis don't want you to notice Leviticus 19:17 You shall not hate your brother in your heart but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor lest you incur sin because of him Hating your brother in your heart means keeping your resentment to yourself Don't do that Go talk to the person but don't impose your Torah on the person I'll have more about that in a minute now let's talk about gossip it is a sin a crime against Torah to talk to others about someone else's sin if you have not gone to that person first you talking to the person causes him or her to make a choice of repenting or not not repenting has the penalty of making his sin public once a sin is public it is no longer evil or a sin for you to talk about it in fact Yeshua Paul and John all spoke openly about the sins of others and so did Yahweh the Torah guarantees individuals the right to face their accusers but this also makes the situation known to all unless the problem is taken care of in private it is doing injustice and showing a lack of mercy to not confront a person who you have seen commit a sin and when you show it to them you need to have Yahweh's list of sins with you and not your own list the law of Lashan Hara however is designed to prevent us from even speaking to the sinner or anyone else about it in case we might commit negative speech we have become so entrenched with this false doctrine that we won't even go to the perpetrator and we use the Christian false doctrine of not judging others to justify it when Yeshua said judge not that you be not judged in Matthew 7 1 he was talking about us imposing our personal Torah on others how do I know this 
because he defined his words in the next verse verse 2 for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured to you with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged your judgment pronounced on others is not the same as Yahweh's judgment pronounced on an evil doer according to Yeshua each person has a different measure of personal Torah that he is not afraid to impose on others and now Talmudic law a law other than what Yahweh gave to his people for their protection has become the law of the land in the U.S. and the mechanism through which the U.S. Office of Combating Antisemitism will stop all negative speech about Judaism and the U.N. created political state of Israel the effect of this is that it allows you no way to address oppression against you or deal with an evil person's actions because just the words oppression and evil are negative the Shan Hara has kept people from disagreeing with the rabbis for millennia and now America you cannot disagree with the office of combating anti-semitism the doctrine of Lashan Hara imposes Judaism Jewish law onto the citizens of the United States and most don't even know it the office of combating anti-semitism was created by the global anti-semitism review act of 2004 According to the U.S. State Department on May 26, 2016, the 31 member states of the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, IHRA, of which the United States is a member, adopted a non-legally binding quote-unquote working definition of anti-Semitism at its plenary in Bucharest. This definition is consistent with and builds upon the information contained in the 2010 State Department definition. As a member of IHRA, the United States now uses this working definition and has encouraged other governments and international organizations to use it as well. In other words, Enforcing the law of Lashan Hara started in the U.S. in 2004, moved to an international plenary or Congress, after which the new international definition was adopted and is now being spread around the world. This is another example of how the U.S. is the head of the House of Israel. This non-binding definition is the same kind of non-binding resolution as the Noahide laws under House Resolution 104. It is clear that international, non-legally binding legislation can be enforced on unwilling and unwitting citizens so don't think the United States won't make the Noahide laws enforceable when the time comes. So how does this fit into the news? 
Well, first, it fit perfectly into my personal life when someone was upset because of some negative talk about a bad situation here in our community, and I was accused of practicing Lashon Hara. We had the discussion about Lashon Hara, but I went to bed praying and asking the Father for further help and insight. The next thing I remember is waking up with an understanding of how Lashon Hara is playing out in the anti-Semitism, anti-Zionism mess. So I just explained how Lashon Hara is playing into the rabbinic Kabad Kabal's intentions, and here is some more news about it. This week, another Lashon Hara cartoon, which is being labeled anti-Semitic under Judaism's Lashon Hara law, was published in the New York Times, just days after apologizing for an anti-Semitic cartoon that ran in its international edition. The Times published another offensive cartoon in its international paper, this one depicting Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu as a sunglasses-wearing Moses carrying a tablet and taking a selfie. The New York Times has now canceled the cartoon contract of Roar Hagen and has cut ties to the company Cartoon Arts. This anti-Semitism did not just arise in the New York Times. It is a method being used by the New World Order Kabad Cabal powers that be to sell Americans on the idea of not speaking out against the Jews and Judaism in any way. For instance, one who calls the Jews to Yahweh's definition of righteousness, asking them to stop tolerating homosexuality, is a person who speaks Lashon Hara and is now liable for punishment for violating the Lashon Hara anti-Semitic and anti-Zionism definitions. However, there is Lashon Hara speech all over the Bible. I already talked about the prophets and how their speech violates Lashon Hara. Here's more. Yeshua most certainly spoke Lashon Hara when he called the Jews an evil and adulterous generation in Matthew 12:39, serpents and vipers in Matthew 23:33, and hypocrites in Matthew 22:18, Matthew 23:15, and Matthew 23:23. Apostle Paul also committed Judaism's Talmudic sin of Lashon Hara when he openly spoke people's names who caused trouble among the brethren. He publicly rebuked Peter in Galatians 2.11 and Barnabas in Galatians 2.13. Paul publicly named Iodias and Syntyche as two women who needed to get their act together. Philippians 4.2 Hymenaeus and Alexander whom he said he had delivered to Satan so they would stop blaspheming 1 Timothy 1.20 Phygelus and Hermogenes who turned away from him 2 Timothy 1.15 Hymenaeus and Philetus whose words Paul described as canker 2 Timothy 2.17 Demas who Paul said forsook him 2 Timothy 
Alexander the coppersmith, who did him much evil, to Timothy 4.14, asking Yahweh to reward him in like manner, and then Paul committed the sin of stereotyping when he called all Cretans liars, evil beasts, and as having slow bellies, Titus 1.12. Paul would have found himself at the bottom of a tar pit in today's America where Christians and Jews will not tolerate negative speech about anyone and certainly no stereotyping is allowed. Apostle John was guilty of Lashon Hurrah as well when he said Diotrephes had a big ego, 3 John 1.9, that prevented him from receiving John. The people mentioned by Paul and John are known to history. Had they not called them out publicly, all kinds of doctrinal disasters worse than those we've had for the last 1900 years could have been visited on us. Yahweh allows us much more latitude in speech than the world. Itching ears make people not want to hear the truth about true doctrine. Judaism is full of false doctrine. Lashon Hara is just one of its twisted doctrines. Paul warned about people who don't want to hear true doctrine. Second Timothy 4, 3 and 4 For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Not wanting to hear the negative truth leads us to false doctrine which leads to sin, crimes against the Torah, and plays us into the hands of those who want to enforce the equally nebulous Noahide laws on us. Under the doctrine of Lashon Hara, the entire Bible must be thrown out because Yahweh talks incessantly and in negative terms about the sins of people. A better idea would be to learn Yahweh's definitions for proper speech and justice toward others rather than throwing out our Bibles. Stay tuned. I'll be right back after these messages. And now for another way we in the house of Israel are getting ourselves into trouble through cavorting with Judaism. Another slippery slope facing Yahweh's Hebrew roots believers is the all-too-common-now one-in-Messiah conferences. And I should know, I've participated in and been a presenter at these kinds of conferences. The idea behind the conferencing with the Jews is to achieve the uniting of the two sticks of Ezekiel. We are so hopeful and anticipating the reuniting and restoration of all 12 tribes of Israel that we see what we want to see in Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37:15 to 19 The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, take a stick and write on it. 
for Judah and the people of Israel associated with him, then take another stick and write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and all the house of Israel associated with him, and join them one to another into one stick, that they may become one in your hand. And when the people say to you, Will you not tell us what you mean by these? Say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am about to take the stick of Joseph, that is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel associated with him, and I will join with it the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, that they may be one in my hand. I interpreted this section to mean that Yahweh's people from both houses would become one first in man's hand, then second in Yahweh's hand. Being one in man's hand implies that we need to do something. The truth is that if we actually read what it says there, it is not telling us that there will be two reunifications one in man's hand followed by one in Yahweh's hand but only one after Ezekiel joins the two sticks together in his hand Ezekiel 37:17 he will be asked by the people what it means Yahweh says to tell them that he Yahweh is about to give the sticks to each other Ezekiel 37:19 The word in English in the King James version is put in verse 19 Yahweh will put the stick of Joseph with the stick of Judah That word is the Hebrew word Natan meaning to give Ezekiel 37:19 literally says Yahweh will give the stick of Ephraim to the stick of Judah. Now this doesn't mean that Yahweh is going to turn us over to practicing Judaism. Rather, it means the lion of Judah will be taking his rightful place as king from the tribe of Judah to rule over all Israel. You see, the sticks joined together in Ezekiel's hand prophesy about Yahweh reunifying the kingdom, the house of Jacob, the whole house of Israel. what it means that they are together as one in Ezekiel's hand is that symbolically there really are no more two houses but only one even before the final end gathering and reunification and restoration it is simply that Yahweh must open their eyes to this fact This was the message I gave at the Congress of Israel in the city of David in March 2017. Both Jews and Christians were present, along with some Messianics and Hebrew roots believers. I already knew that the two houses are so intermingled that in truth there are no more two houses. This idea continues with us only because of religion. but the reality in the kingdom is that we are already one ekhad not in agreement
but in citizenship. The past year has been a rough one, as you know, but it has had rich rewards. The best rewards happen under stress when we're being crushed like olives or put through the tribulum that grinds the wheat. Much understanding of the difference between religion and kingdom has come. I've learned that if we practice religion, we are not in the kingdom. And if we stick with the kingdom, we can't practice religion. The two just are not compatible. Living on the earth as if the kingdom is already here defeats religion. Going back to the beginning to get the original definition of the words Yahweh gave us is the second step through the door of the kingdom. The first step, the first door is Yeshua. The problem is that Jews and Christians really like their religions and they believe they can make the other see they are right. Some are willing to compromise on certain religious points and some are not. Here is a point that Judaism and Christianity cannot agree on. Messiah. We say Messiah, they say Moshiach, but these two are not just different ways of saying the same thing. The fact is that the Jewish Messiah is not Yeshua the Messiah. Each Messiah is mutually exclusive and anathema to each other. Until Yahweh joins us together in His hand, not just putting us together in Ezekiel's hand, there will not be agreement about the Messiah. The only doctrine that Christianity has correct is that Yeshua came in the flesh, died for us, resurrected from the dead, and ascended into heaven. The only thing the Jews have going for them is not Judaism, but the fact that Yeshua came through the line of the tribe of Judah. Christian believers want Jews to see Jesus is the Messiah. Jews want to divest you of that notion. They want to absorb as many Christians inside Judaism as possible, and those who aren't absorbed will become Noahides. Judaism's purpose is not what people think. It is lying to people when it wants to be understood. The truth is that Judaism wants to rule. These conferences serve Judaism's purpose well, even if the Jews involved are not part of the conversion ring. But almost always, Jews from the international conversion ring show up at these events. Instead of trying to bring Christianity and Judaism closer together, which is doublespeak for creating a new one-world religion of Jews and Noahides, We should be talking to them about the kingdom. We should not be willing to learn anything from Judaism at all. Those Come Christians Learn from the Jews websites, and there are a number of them, should not be on your walk away list. 
they should be on your run away as fast as you can list. Christians who believe there can be a coming together of them with Jews are deluded. Christianity and Judaism overlap in many ways, but Judaism will not allow for many beliefs in Christianity, the biggest of which is that Yeshua is the Messiah. Certainly, they will not tolerate that Yeshua is God in flesh. Judaism is full of false doctrine, and so is Christianity. Get out of religion. Get out of the Babylonian religious system and into the kingdom. Always think in terms of the simplicity of the kingdom. Now, on to other news. The Jerusalem Post is reporting that the Ministry of Foreign Affairs officials have allegedly been passing around in their online communication an unsigned document that claims to offer insight into the secret deal of the century peace plan soon to be released by President Donald Trump and his administration. It is impossible, says this report, to know if the details are genuine or perhaps even a hoax. Israel Hayom has reported on this earlier this week. The deal, the document claims, will be signed between Israel, Hamas, and the Palestinian Authority and will bring about the creation of a new state called New Palestine. This state would include the Gaza Strip and the West Bank, excluding Israeli settlements, and will share its capital with Israel. Arab residents of Jerusalem will be citizens of New Palestine. Education of Arab residents will be overseen by New Palestine, and all other issues will be handled by the municipality of Jerusalem. The holy places will remain in their current state, and no Arab or Jew will be allowed to purchase homes in neighborhoods of the other community. Egypt is meant to lease to New Palestine land on which it will open an airport and an industrial zone, according to the supposedly released plan. A road would be paved between Gaza and the West Bank, and it would be possible to transfer desalinated water via an underground conductor between the two places. The U.S., EU, and Gulf states purportedly would finance the deal at a cost of $30 billion during the first five years. Israel will carry the cost of evacuating any settlements. This support is meant to build a viable economy for the Palestinians. The costs will be split among the countries in this way, 70% paid for by the Gulf states, 20% by the U.S., and 10% by the EU. New Palestine will not have an armed force, and Israel will defend it from any attacks in the exchange of payment. Hamas, according to this document, will agree to hold a free election a year after the deal is made. These elections will decide the government of New Palestine. 
Prisoners will be released in the space of three years and a seaport and airport will be built in Gaza in five years from the time the deal is sealed. New Palestine, if the released documents are correct, would be given two border passages into Jordan. The rest of the territory along Jordan will remain under Israeli control. Should Israel refuse to sign this deal, the U.S. will end all financial support of the Jewish state. Should the Palestinians refuse to sign it, the U.S. will end all support of the Palestinian people and ensure no other country in the world will offer them funds. The White House refused to comment on the news or verify it in any way. There is much speculation about Trump's peace plan. As you know, a few weeks ago, the news reported that it included deporting Palestinians from their West Bank homes. I have talked about how disastrous that would be if, indeed, that is in Trump's plan. The only thing we can do is wait to see what's in the plan, but no matter what Trump does, dividing the land will be the outcome. There is no way around that. Netanyahu made a statement last week that probably no one thought was of any greater importance than other statements he has made about terrorism. He said, defeating terrorism must be done on the ground, not only with ideology and also that terrorism will not be beaten if the Western world does not fight it physically as well. This is an underhanded way of calling for the West, i.e. America, to help Israel fight terrorism inside its borders. Netanyahu went on to say, I actually think that sometimes in these kinds of battles it's first of all important to win physically, win, fight. Combating Nazism first involved beating Nazism. You had denazification after you won. You have to win. In other words, America must view the Palestinians' Nazism as a continuation of the German Nazism and fight it on Israeli soil. If that happens, it will fulfill Ezekiel 38 and 39. And now, another subject, Nephilim. You've heard that Yeshua said the end of days would be just like the days of Noah, right? That means, in the end of days, we will have to deal with what humanity of that time had to deal with, Nephilim. Otherworldly beings bred with women in the days running up to Noah's flood. The beings that bred with them had been put on earth to guard mankind. The book of Enoch calls them watchers. The offspring of these beings and the women were called Nephilim. They are a species that cannot die until Yahweh kills them. Their disembodied spirits simply obtain human bodies somehow, and probably women and watchers bred more of these after the flood. 
they made it through the flood and showed up in Canaan where the Israelites had to fight with them under the guidance of Joshua. Now some people don't know about this history so everything has an alien origin to them. The truth is that every type of being that was on earth in the beginning is still on earth at the end. There are still watchers who became during that time demons to taunt and tempt mankind rather than guard him and the demonic offspring the Nephilim are still here too. So when you hear someone say alien think demons Nephilim and right away let the phrase Satan's army come to mind. A North Korean Oxford professor says aliens, Nephilim, are breeding with women to save the earth from climate change. The article about Young Hai Chi's new book, Alien Visitations and the End of Humanity, presented in academic style, first appeared in The Sun, a tabloid, but was quickly picked up by the mainstream media. Now, in a bizarre claim, the Oxford professor says that aliens are very real and they have been interbreeding with humans in an attempt to save both species from a climate apocalypse. That is, the aliens and humanity. Nothing was said about the reason the aliens can't just get in their little ships and fly away. The claim was made by Professor Yang Hai-Chi on the university's student newspaper, adding that he has also written a book on the subject. Yang Hai, who is a member of the university's Faculty of Oriental Studies, says aliens are on Earth for some biological experiment, and he strongly believes there is a correlation between climate change and abductions. They are all conducting some kind of biological experiment, including the production of a hybrid, he said. I don't think they are from far away. They are just next to us. We can't see them. The university paper added that Young Hai had first outlined his theory in 2012 during a lecture at the Amok conference. Young Hai said the aliens share a biosphere with us and climate change is a big threat to our existence. They come not for the sake of us, but for the sake of them, their survival, but their survival is actually our survival as well the survival of the entire biosphere that is where I progressed in developing my theory and I'm still looking for more evidence to support my view Young Hai told the university newspaper experts are now comparing the bizarre claims to the hit TV series The X-Files and 1950s sci-fi blockbuster The Day the Earth Stood Still however Young Hai is not the first person to come up with a debatable alien theory in 2017 a NASA scientist said he was convinced that aliens are already on Earth but invisible to humans. At least Young Hai didn't claim they are here to save us.
That's it for this Beastwatch News Update. This is Kimberly Rogers-Brown signing off. Click over to BeastwatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end-of-days Bible prophecy.